Hello and welcome to this week's Football 360. This week's guest is Kenny Lowe, who is uh, a real household name in Australian football now, uh, having been the head coach of Perth Glory in the, in the A-League for uh, about four or five years. Uh, and most recently, having worked with the national team, working with Graham Arnold and Rennie Mullenstein. He started his career uh, in the game as a, as a player in the northeast. Uh, he played for Gateshead, played for Barrow, uh, then went to Barnet with Barry Fry, where they won promotion to the Football League, uh, and then went on to Birmingham and Stoke City. So he's played at pretty much every level of the game. Um, fantastic experience as a player. Um, by all accounts, he was. Um, a very creative midfielder, a very individual player with uh, the kind of skills that, and, and, and qualities that you don't necessarily see from midfielders these days. He's kind of knocking 40-yard passes for fun, um, driving with the ball, great uh, ability to, to kind of lose an opponent um, and real individual skills that, as I say, you don't necessarily see these days. Um, he became a, a player manager at Gateshead and then went on to manage Barrow, which is where I first came across him. Um, very successful three or four years there before he moved to Australia uh, initially f with with his job uh, or for a job uh, with his family um, but he then subsequently went on to develop a fantastic reputation as a player developer and coach uh, running the Western Australia Talent Centre uh, some of the best footballers in uh, in Australia's recent history have come through uh, that, that process have gone on to represent the national team uh, and play for top clubs in Europe so he's influenced a lot of young players in, in Western Australia and around the Perth area in particular. Uh, he then went on to, to become assistant coach at uh, Perth Glory before being appointed head coach, uh, where he stayed for four or five seasons in the A-League in Australia, became a real household name. Um, and uh, his journey is just one that for me is, is quite inspirational. He's a, he's a real fun guy, a fantastic person to talk football with. Um, really, really passionate about the game, uh, and obviously can call upon experiences from so many different different aspects of the game and so many different levels. So, I'm really hoping that you enjoy it. I think this is going to be one of the best ones we've done. Hello, and welcome to Football 360 One to One. I'm delighted to have Kenny Lowe all the way from Australia uh, with me today. Kenny, how are you doing, pal? Yeah, good. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, very good. Top man, top man. Looks looks like you're very relaxed there, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice backdrop as well you got. <laughs> yeah, just stuck in the garden away from the kids and the dog, mate. It's the only place I could find. <laughs> <laughs> looks all right to me. So um, I've I've introduced you already. So let, let's let's go straight into it, pal. Um, we're going to start off with a bit of a warm up, get the juices flowing, so to speak. So to start off with, your favourite player ever and why? Glenn Oddle. Glenn Oddle. Just, just an amazing footballer, uh, and I think highly undervalued in our country. But I think yeah. he went to play. I think he went maybe to play for Wenger in, at Monaco. At Monaco, yeah. And and I think the things that come back from there, people just couldn't believe how good he was. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I actually played with his brother Carl at Barnet, and I used to pester him like hell to get me a shirt, get me a shirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, Hoddle for me. Hoddle was my Absolute idol. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, as a kid growing up in the 80s, I remember the goal he scored against Watford, particularly where he dropped the shoulder and chipped Steve Sherwood. That that goal just, just kind of epitomises class, didn't yeah, it? We played with we played with Steve at Gateshead. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, we used to joke about it to him. You know, all the time <laughs> used to back him up. A lad called Paul Proudlock. I don't know whether you know Proudy. Uh, yeah, I've played against Proudy a few times, yeah. He's the funniest lad I've ever met in football. Proudy used to have uh, Stevie's life, but he's a good guy, Steve. Top guy, yeah. top guy. Nice one, good stuff. Okay, um, favourite team ever and why? Could be, you know, current, historic, whatever. United was always my team. Um, and I'm and what, and what, what 11? What, what 11? What particular 11, you know, and oh, why? Not really, just Man United. Uh, yeah. And, and like, I, I always say, like, no one can say that I picked them when they were, uh, when they were top. I think it was, like, the 80s when Tommy Dock was there. I think they got relegated into the old first division. I think Dennis yeah. Law scored a back heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And relegated them, so that was my era. Yeah, uh, with uh, okay. Willie Morgan and Gordon Hill and the Greenoff brothers. That's that's kind of just the team in general, yeah. the club. Yeah. Before before the Glory Boys got involved. <laughs> yeah, before money went there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so and, and and what eleven? What 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 particular team? You know, any team in history. So it could be United team. Could be any team that for you, from a footballing perspective. Is your favourite team to watch, or you know, just sticks in your memory? Yeah, I remember being away in uh, in Oz actually when I was quite young, and the World Cup was on, and France were playing. Yeah, Jures uh, and Tigana, Platini, and uh, all those guys, and I think that for me was you know so much flair, so much quality. Being a midfield player, you looked at those players, you know, it was the perfect, you know. One was a dribbler, one was a runner, one was an artist. You know, just unbelievable footballers in the French team. And I think that for me was probably one of the, one of the, one of the the, the, the big teams, the, the teams that I can remember. You know what I mean? Class, yeah, I love, love that. That's, that's a new answer on this one. We've had a few answers over the year with, you know, they say, Bar, you know, Pep uh, Barcelona team from two thousand and nine. You know, obviously some of the Ferguson teams and what have you. But that's the first time anyone's mentioned the French team and. It's quite coincidental because they're, they're doing reruns of the World Cup over here at the moment, or sorry, in the UK, should I say. And um, they had the France, um, France, was it France, Germany? No, the, the or was it Brazil? France, Brazil, I think, with Joel Bats from 86. So it would have been about that time the other day. And uh, there's a lot of people talking about it. I remember stay, being allowed to stay up as a, a young kid. My dad let me, let me stay up and watch it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, top team. Okay, um, right. Here's one, one little bit left field. So you've got two two squads of players, the best players in the world uh, across. You know, let's say the, the best 22 players in the world. You can manage one of those teams, and the other t the other the other team is managed by someone who's got to get a result. Who would you pick to get a result in that one game from any manager in history? Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I just, nah, I don't know, he's ruthless. Yeah. Uh, he builds teams. Um, he evolves. He changes. Yeah. Uh, he's like a chameleon. He's lasted for how many, ever many years and been successful right across. And yeah. probably won his best championship with his worst team yeah. before he left. Yeah. As though he, was, as though he was saying, right, I don't care, I'm going, but I'm still going to fucking win it. Yeah, 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 unbelievable, absolutely. I mean, people overlook that a little bit, don't they? That, like you say, he had a fairly weak squad and uh, still a winner, wasn't he? Yeah, but he evolved. He brought different coaches in. Yeah. Like, yeah uh, McLaren, Brian yeah. Kidd. You know, you look at across uh, Rennie Muhlenstein, you know, uh, all, all across the board, he, he brought different people in to invigorate the environment and, yeah. and for also to learn. He was comfortable 
uh, bringing other people in. He was comfortable in his own skin. He, he surrounded himself with quality. Yeah, love that, love that. Great answer. Okay, final final question before we get into the main part of the, the interview. Um, can you give, tell us a little known fact about Kenny Lowe that no, not many people will know? As a kid, I got offered an apprenticeship. I was 16, 17, leaving school with Blackburn. Yeah, me, with Blackburn. Me, yeah, my old fella said I wasn't good enough. And he wouldn't sign the indentures for me to go. And, I, and he got me an apprenticeship in an engineering company. And I served my time for four years. And the way I got into football was through Hartlepool. I actually answered an advert in a, in a newspaper. I wow. went for a trial. And, and I got picked in that trial. Brilliant. Brilliant. What a story that is. Amazing. And uh, there was three or four lads at that trial. There was a lad called Phil Brown who ended up going on to, uh, who, who coached uh, Hull City. Yeah. Brownie was a sparky down the pit and he was at that trial. And another lad called Andy Linnigan who played for Leeds and Arsenal. Yeah. He, I think Andy was a, he was either a plumber or a joiner with Hartlepool Council. Wow. And he was another lad at that trial. And we all ended up signing and playing for pools. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I, I mean, Linnigan, Linnigan, I mean, he, he, he was, he, he, won, he won trophies at Arsenal, didn't he? Oh, yeah, a double win in Arsenal. Went to Norwich, yeah. played at Leeds, uh, top shelf. Unreal. Good lad as well. Yeah, really good lad. Quality. Nice one. Brilliant. Kenny, that's great. Great start to the, great start the interview. Um, let, let, let's get into it a little bit. So, um, I mean, the first thing I want to, I want to ask you about is, your your time in Australia, obviously, you, you've spent how long there now, or, or this spell? I came, I came back about 2003, so yeah. probably, look, six, 16, 17 years now. Okay, 16, wow, long time. So, um, for, for the benefit of a lot of the people who, who, who watch this and listen to the podcast, tell us a little bit about Australian football from the perspective of someone who spent, you know, most of his life in the, in the, in the game in England. Okay. Yeah, very difficult. Um, loads of constraints on geography. Yeah. You know, you've got longest away game is Wellington for Perth. Obviously, uh, that's a 10-hour journey. Two flights. That's two uh, five-hour flights. So an hour at the airport before, five hours roughly into Sydney, an hour and a half in the airport in Sydney, three hours in, uh, into, uh, into uh, Wellington, then You've got to be there an hour and an hour and a bit before the flight. You've got to travel an hour to the airport, probably some guys. Yeah. And then at the other end, it's probably another forty-five to the hotel. So if you wrap it in, it's something like a a ten to twelve-hour journey just for that game. Uh, every away game, a lot of them. So again, I'll I'll use Perth as a reference. It's a it's a five-hour flight, four-hour flight. So every week, it's like playing Champions League without the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like playing in Turkey every week for, oh. for an away game. So there's the constraints um, on travel, uh, on, on obviously geography. And also, um, it's not the biggest sport in the country. Obviously, yeah. AFL, you've got real competitive elements. You've got unbelievable tennis, unbelievable uh, Aussie rules cricket you know the, the the world champions and you know and then you throw in all the athletics and the swimming and yeah. generally they've got world-class entities athletes in all of those things who who were taken away from the, the football pool 
Yeah. Uh, you'll find it's a big, um, the demographic of the game, the most, it's got the biggest grassroots, um, how can I say, biggest grassroots participation in the whole of the country. Right, so okay. It's growing unbelievably. The, the professional league is only, I think, maybe 10 or 12 years old. So it's a really young league. Yeah. Uh, it's a vibrant, vibrant environment. Some really good young players coming through. A lot of boys playing abroad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a good place to be. A, a coaching environment and coach coach education, very very good because they've cherry picked a lot of good people from Europe. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the local coaches. Uh, have had have had big careers abroad and then have come back. You see Ange Postacoglu in uh, in Japan, who's yeah. been unbelievable. You got Tony Popovich, who was at Crystal Palace. He's yeah. top shelf. Graham Arnold, uh, he's their national team coach now. Another top top coach. Other guys like Stevie Corricker, who played at Coventry and stuff. He's yeah. he's probably one of the top boys here. Ufek Tale played in Turkey for uh, Basikas and Benfica, I think. Yeah. So really top boys and quite young, good coaches who really want to play the game because of the weather and the pitches. It's warm. The pitches are beautiful. Yeah. Everyone wants to play. Brilliant. Everyone tries to play. So, do you, it's a so you, think, do you, you think the future's bright then for Aussie football then? I mean, obviously, I of, like yeah, an emerging sport to, to a moment. Yeah, like everywhere, it's got its problems. And they're at a stage now where I think they're at a crossroads. If they make the correct choices, they'll grow. Yeah. Um, I think they all hop back to the golden generation. It's the 2006 World Cup, you know, with Harry Kuehl and Lazaridis, uh, people know back home, all those type yeah. of players. Some uh, Bresciano who's playing in Italy. Yeah. Top, top, top players. Um, and that kind of hark back to that. And they're trying to ask, why did we get that? Um, yeah. Uh, but it's very difficult here. It's very difficult for young players to get game time. And what they're saying is that the golden generation all played games when they were young because there were opportunities. Yeah. Now the young players here, there's not great opportunities for them. So they're saying that's probably the hindrance. They need to, they need to bring a second division in. They need to bring promotion and relegation in. Yeah. And they need to find a pathway for younger players to play with the best at the best level and get game time. So if they can sort those things out, they've got a real chance. Brilliant. It's interesting to hear that Australia's facing some of the same challenges that, that England's facing though, with, you know, pathways for young players and, yeah. you know, going back to, to the kind of, you know, let's say that the, even reserve team football and the opportunities that that gave young players, that perhaps those those opportunities aren't there anymore and they're trying to address it obviously with various solutions, but it's a similar challenge by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And you find that a lot of, probably I'm seeing a lot in the, the UK now that the guys are actually turning contracts down to stay at big clubs. I just saw a young lad the other day, I think it was at Arsenal, no, Tottenham, and he turned it down. He went to the MLS. I think he was captain of the Tottenham under 18s. And he said, no, they offered him a, Mourinho offered him a pro contract. Yeah. And he went, no, no I'm, I'm going to go and play MLS for yeah. Thierry Henry. It's not a bad choice like Thierry Henry, you know. Not bad, not bad, yeah. He's gone there and he's he's played all the last season as an 18-year-old. And you see the boys going into Germany now, you know, like the, the young boys, the court and 100 million for the winger. Sancho, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so everyone's looking at that and thinking, hey, you know, I don't want to play under 23s in front of five men and a dog. Yeah. yeah it's nice. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a hallmark of, of development or the hallmark of progress, really, because, 
if these young players are, are, have now got one or two kind of examples that they can follow, like Sancho, as, as a, you know, as an example, because we used to have a lot of players in Europe, didn't we? In the eighties and nineties, you, you know, some of our top players went abroad, and all right, they're younger now, um, but you know, if they're going to Belgium to play, they're going to France, to, to Spain, to wherever. You know, that, I don't think you can buy that game time and the, the experience that they get with that game time. Maybe take it back to the UK when they're ready. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah good stuff. So, OK, so you talked a little bit about um, it being a great coaching environment, Kenny. Um, I knew you as a manager tw back 20 years ago. Um, wh wh where do you sit? Where, where, how do you see yourself in terms of your identity as, as, a, as a manager, as a coach, as, a, as a, some, somewhere in between the two? How do you, how do you feel? Uh, I, I think I gravitate. Uh, in both camps yeah. I've got some good qualities on one side and good qualities on the other and some deficient stuff that needs to be worked on obviously <laughs> but I think uh, for someone who was not interested I was 39 I think playing at Gateshead yeah. uh, in the conference and this, Jim Platt was the gaffer yeah the, yeah yeah, the old boy, the yeah. yeah and, and Jim got released we were I think we were already relegated with about 8 games to go yeah. 10 games to go and I was the oldest player at the club and they just said look we're not paying any money but you can take the team till take the team for the last 10 games yeah in the conference so I went oh do I have to you know well you know okay and I thought well this is going to be my last contract I'm not going to play anymore and um and I took it for 10 games at Paul Proudlock actually yeah and, uh, and I had a ball and I was 39 I never entered my head and at the end of the year, they just said, look, do you, want to, do you want to take it next year? And I went, you know what, I will. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the first time, I was 39-year-old, no interest, and got involved in coaching. No badges. And so from that point in time, that's kind of the journey, if you want to call it that. I kind of thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, try and do it properly, you know. Yeah. Uh, two years at Gateshead, it was great fun, great set of lads. Absolutely mad, you know, leaving Gateshead, Traveling all down south, you know, like five, six-hour coach journeys. You know, yeah. I wish I kept the journal. I've never had so much fun. Yeah, I, I bet. It was many crazy lads, but uh, no, it was enjoyable. enjoyable. Really? And were you playing at the international stadium there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played there. That was a challenge, wasn't it? I mean, I, I never enjoyed playing there as a player, so I, I can't see it would have been that nice for people there week in, week out. No, no atmosphere. You know, no. chasing the balls. You know, you, need, you needed about. <laughs> Neither about two thousand ball boys to keep the ball in the park, you know. Yeah. Get any type of that. But no, it was good. Great yeah. club, good people, uh, and that kind of got me hooked. So I, w I would say, in the early days, definitely a manager. Yeah. You know, definitely like trying to look after people, take care, get the best out, you know, and and, and really try to make sure the lads enjoyed themselves. Yeah. You know, I want the players to enjoy it. I want the players to play without fear. I want the players to play without with risk yeah you know, and to and to be attacking score more goals that like for me it was always score more goals and the other not don't concede any yeah and yeah still got that to a certain extent uh and then as you get on you start to learn a bit more and you think did i actually did, used to do that you know <laughs> as we all do uh, yeah uh and then got more into the tactical and the, the technical and then understood the the hard stuff you know, your, your physical, your tactical, your technical, and then the soft stuff, the emotional, the lifestyle, and trying to balance the two. So, yeah, quite interesting, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And so, so, back in them days, I mean, I can't remember who your assistants were at the time. Was Lee Warren maybe assistant? 
Lee, Lee played. Lee was captain, probably. Lee Warren right. was captain. Uh, Paul Proudlock, uh, Paul yeah. Dobson, yeah. Uh, Sam, Sam Kitchen. Uh, oh, yeah, big Sam to set her off, yeah. Johnny Watson, fullback. Goalkeeper was Simon Smith, who's now Newcastle goalkeeper and coach. Right. Uh, so, like, really good group of lads, all crazy. Uh, Paul Thompson, another good player. Oh, Tom, oh, yeah, played against him a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, tried to sign, you know, at the time I always remember trying to sign a lad who went run corner and ended up Lee Trundle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was at Bamba Bridge. He was at yeah, Bamba. and then he also played for Runcorn. Yeah. Uh, top, top players. Good, good, good lads. Good standard. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Philly Wilson, I think, was at Hyde as a gaffer. Yeah. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, Rowley was at Marine, do you remember? Rowley Howard, yeah. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all those, you know, unbelievable. But I had a great time. Great time. And it evolved uh, from that, really. Yeah, so 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 good grounding for, for what you went on to do later on. Yeah. Because I mean, but, but when you were at Barrow, I mean, I felt you know, listen, you 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 you've you've been to places I, I can only dream of going in, in, in a footballing context. Um, but I remember going to Barrow a couple of times and looking around and thinking this is not far off a football league set up in some respects, maybe, but you know, bottom end, but. You know the crowd. It was you know you got quite a big catchment area, so you were getting thirteen, fourteen hundred. It felt when you turned up at Barrow like it was it was pretty serious. Yeah, I think both. If you think both clubs, Gateshead, I played for a long time as a player, yeah. so people knew my kind of personality and other stuff. And I had I had five years at Barrow as a player as well. Did you? Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah, with Ray Wilkie. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, in the trophy-winning team, we won the we won the the Northern Prem, went in the conference. So I had five yeah. years there. So again, everybody kind of knew that type of background, type of person I was. Uh, and and again, went into Gateshead in a, in a, a crisis time. Yeah. You know, and then Barrow was a massive crisis because they, uh, uh, I think the owner was, uh, I, I think the owner at the time was kind of. Arrested by the police and the whole fell apart. fell apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Stevie Vaughan looked after it, and I think it was another guy. I can't remember Warren Curtis or Curtis Warren or someone like that was the yeah. main guy. Yeah. And I, basically, I left Gator, which is a great club, and went to Barrow with no league and no players because they uh -huh. got threw out of the league. They didn't have a league. Well, I think we came into the league my first year after twelve games. Yeah, in, in the Northern Prem. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I loved the crisis. Yeah, that's good. It's good. It's, you know, you probably learn more in those situations than you do when you're when you're comfortable. So uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. So you got to us, um, and the identity in terms of you know your role in football started to evolve a bit by the sound of it. I, I mean, I know you went across there with a job, um, and then managed to kind of develop a, you know and use your experience, I guess, to to develop a you know a fantastic career in Oz. So, I mean, what was that like in the early days in Oz? Yeah, just arrived with no no, no idea, really, of, of getting involved in the football side. Uh, came, yeah. like you say, for a job. Um, but bumped into people. I came when I was young, about 22, 86, something like that. And I got yeah. uh, I played a year. And when I came for the job, a lot of the guys I played with then, who were 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, 24, were similar to me, but were involved in football over here. So, yeah. kind of involved and hooked up and then all of a sudden I was involved in the local game but more so looking after like juniors from maybe under 13, 14 through to maybe 16 uh, for like um, like a, 
how could I, like a Lily Shaw type. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. centre of excellence type thing. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Australia have got a centre of excellence, which is the AIS in Canberra, yeah. and then the Australian Institute of Sport. And then yeah. each, each, each state had their own Institute of Sport, which right. identified um, elite supported players and then helped them to try and get into the Institute. So I looked after, I ended up looking after the West Australian Institute uh, and running that for 12 years. So working with kids from, like I say, maybe 12 year old, 13 year old through to 15, 16. And then it grew a bit and it got into the local leagues. Yeah. So we ended up having a, a team from the, like the under 13s all the way through to a senior team. But the senior team, they were all under 18. Okay. So like so full spectrum all the way through and the yeah. amount of players that come out was brilliant really really, really. Good. so really. so i got involved in that and 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 kind of from that your reputation starts to grow when you see players we've got players playing for the national teams under 17 under 20s under 23s lads in the socceroos yeah three of that three of that group have been to world cups lads have been to bayern munich in milan liverpool you know big 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 clubs so wow. quite a successful program really Brilliant. That's amazing. Amazing story that. And, and and during that time, obviously, you've kind of, I guess, you know, first of all, you work in a completely different environment to going to Marine on a Tuesday night, for example, in the Unibon League. It's, you know, you're out there on the grass, the sun shuns on your back and you're working with young kids. I mean, it must have been a great experience in terms of, you know, your your passion for the game and, and probably ticking different boxes. Yeah, big. It was, you know, it's so enjoyable because we, I don't know, I don't know, because we had no one overlooking that. No one overlooking us. We basically, it was superb. And then the guys who ran it just said, look, there it is. Go and run with it. And we set the program up. We kind of decided on the philosophy, the way we go about, where we treat the kids. Yeah. You know, like straight away, it was just like create a real, just an environment. We created an environment where everyone wanted to be. It was yeah. great fun, but demanding also, but in a, in a good way. Yeah. You, you didn't accept second best. You actually, the talented ones, we rode harder than the the, 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 the lads who, were, who we could see maybe weren't going to make it. And the lads who we didn't think made it, they, they ended up having careers as well because really? everyone just kind of went this way. It was it was really, really enjoyable. Really yeah. enjoyable. And the, we're still close now. Even now there's lads that 27, 28-year-old, I get text messages off, I text them. It's, it's quite, you know, it's really, uh, how can I say, you know, it's something that it makes you feel warm. You yeah, know, you can walk into a pub ten years later and still have that connection. It's it's quite wow. special. Really. It's more than football. Yeah, no, I mean, look, look at you know, spoken to you a couple of times this week, pal, and and, and obviously read up a little bit on you and, and the legacy. You know, is 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 a word that I've read a couple of times, and, and and for you to go over there and have such a big influence on particularly Western Australian football, um, you know, that's that's something I'm sure you're very proud of, and, and rightly so. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I had some fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. So, um, on to on to kind of you know managing in the A League. Um, I guess the stakes, you know, a bit higher. Um, you know, I, rem I remember watching a couple of games at the time, and you going you going daft on the sidelines, and uh, you know, really, you know, there was a lot of a lot of um, yeah, a lot of media exposure. Obviously, I mean, it's it's a, it's a huge thing over there, and and. Um, I remember just looking, thinking. First of all, I thought it looked like you were having a ball, 
um, and you were right. You know, even if you, you even if you, you know, your face didn't always show it. There was angst on there at times, but it really looked like you were you were really you know really engaged. And I think I looked at the crowds and I looked at the whole setup and I just thought, what a, what an incredible opportunity that must have been for you in the early days. Unbelievable experience, to be honest. I, I'd actually spent five seasons as an assistant there, but I did yeah. it part time. I, I worked in the office on the morning, yeah. then I go to uh, then I go to the glory and assist, be an assistant, then I go back to the office, and then I then after the office ended, and then I go and do the NTC, the institute. So yeah. I'm actually working three jobs. So. And then the, the glory assistant became full time, so I stopped work, but I still did the institute. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of how can I say kind of give me a little bit of a grounding. You know, you're working with like you're working with lads like Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler was at the club. I was assistant. And imagine say, hey, Robbie, I think no, Robbie, can you stop a second? I don't think you should make that run. I think you should make that run. You know, he looks at you cross-eyed. You know, but he was he was absolutely brilliant, Class. an absolute diamond of a guy. Yeah, guy. But you did, we had another lad, Amaral. He played for Brazil, played for Parma and Brazil, and you and you could, Victor Sakura played for Holland and Ajax. Yeah, you know these are the guys you've got in the team that you you coach. And then I kind of left that, uh, so I had a bit of a grounding. And then when the next coach got sacked, they asked me to come in as as part time, uh, not yeah. as an interim yeah, okay. for three months. Yeah, and I thought you know what, bollocks, I don't care. They're going to go and get a big coach. I'm going to have a party for three months. You know what I mean? I'm going to really enjoy myself. Brilliant. And, um, and William Gallas was the captain from Arsenal, France. And like, I remember the first meeting, he was at loggerheads with the other coach. And uh, he wouldn't play. He got a hammy and the coach was trying to force him back. And he, and he was saying, no, no, I'll come when I'm ready. And they had a bit of a fallout. So he just went, right, I could probably come back in four, but bollocks to you, I'm coming back in eight. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the coach went and the owner said, look, you've got to go and speak with William. I went, OK, yeah, no problem. So my first thing was to speak to William Gallas. Brilliant. And like I thought, I'll, I'll Google William Gallas. And then the, the first thing that came up was a, a photograph of him sat on the post when he didn't go in at half time. I think that was Wenger or Mourinho. I can't remember. We didn't go in. He was pissed off. And then another time he'd had a big fallout. So so he's he's fallen out with Wenger and fucked him off. He's fallen out Marino and fucked him off. And he's me, an under-15s coach, coming to my first gig. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? I've got no chance. So all I've just gone in. We met for a coffee. Still remember it like yesterday. Shook his hand and like, yeah, okay. And said, hey, coach. I said, William, before we start, mate, I've said, you fucked Wenger off. You fucked Mourinho off. I said, what chance have I got? I said, just come on. Let's have a smile. Three months party and let's see where we go. And he just went, well, I like you. You'll do for me. That was it. We're off. Away. And that's kind of, you're dealing with those people on a different level. It's football's this much and the rest of it is that much. That's what I've found yeah. going through, you know. Uh, but yeah, really interesting. Which, to be fair, for, you know, given your journey, you've dealt with people like Barry Fry, you've dealt with all of, all of the challenges that, you know, that, that your, your football career and your career, you know, your life had given you up to that point. Didn't, you know, you probably as, as, capable of dealing with a human being in that situation as anyone is but in a football context there's so much more pressure on it isn't there yeah especially because you've got to win games you know that's yeah. the big difference between the youth and the you know you, you wanted the best for the youth but you still deep down you're still a youth coach because you want the best for the players yeah. you know what players what i found as well even even at that level 
They want more. They want to learn. They want to get better. They're just the same as youth players, except they've got an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably a little bit more cynical. They yeah. won't take anything at face value. They'll question it to a certain extent. So that's, they're, they're exactly the same, but with, with more layers. Yeah. And you need, you need to be a little bit sharper in the things that you'd ask them to do to be, make sure that they, there's reasons behind why, why are we doing this? Yeah. Because of that, 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 that. It's got to stack up. You can't do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, you can't yeah. put a session on just for the sake of a session. Yeah. It, it's got to be succinct. It's got to have a purpose and a meaning and a reason behind it. Amazing. And that's what I've kind of found working through uh, with with the senior players. But I was so lucky. I, like uh, the people, uh, he was, Gallas was brilliant. He, he, he'd come in early. He'd leave late. He'd, 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 he'd work his socks off away from, he'd have physios going to his house. Yeah. He'd have strength conditioning going to his house just to get right, to get better, to get fit. He was a, a, a top guy, a top fella and a top player. Marvellous. That opened so, my eyes on professionalism. I bet, I bet, yeah. I mean, he's done it all, hasn't he? I mean, you know, he's not only incredibly talented player, but he, 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 you know, French, you know, playing with some of the best best players of a generation in that French team, incredible. So. And he has um, some great stories. <laughs> I bet he did. I bet he did. My God, my God. Um, what one thing that occurs to me as you say that, Kenny, and 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 I feel quite strongly about this, although I can't completely prove it because I've not really worked in those environments, but. I, I have an impression, and speaking to people in the game, and I've been observed it, you know, I've, I've been into a few clubs and what have you with, with pals who've, who've been very good to me. I feel that there are some managers who work at first team level who are a little bit afraid to coach the top players or senior players. And then I think that there are coaches who recognise that first team players and senior players need to be coached on some of the, some of the minute details, some of the most simple things to reinforce or to tweak or to fine tune. And, and the example that I've given a couple of times in these interviews, the likes of Tony Pulis is an example, right? Whether you like Tony Pulis or you don't like Tony Pulis, or, you, or you, 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 you know, you're somewhere in between, he goes on the training ground and he will move, in, in, let's say he's doing some, some 11, you know, 11 v 11 work, as he I think he tends to do quite a lot of, he will go and he will move a seasoned professional with three or four hundred Premier League games under the belt, two yards and tell him, this is where you need to be so you can open your body to deal with this situation that's developing in this area of the pitch. And those fine details from, from and you know, this is feedback from players as well. Once they've done that a few times, they realise the benefit and what's in it for them. And those are the coaches who generally, you know, Guardiola does it as well. You see them, sometimes it's maybe a bit for show. He goes out on the training ground, he's pulling people left, right and centre. He's saying, you come here. And, but do you, know, do, do you get the point I'm making? Yeah, I think, I think the big thing is that all players want to know in every, the four moments of the game, what, where should I be and what should I do when we got it? Yeah. Where, what should I do, where should I be when we haven't got it? Yeah. What should I do, where should I be when we've just got it? Yeah. And what should I do when we've just lost it? Yeah, in the four moments, yeah. And if you can be really clear and they understand what you're after and then they try and execute that, that's that's absolutely fantastic. And and, and the other side, the other good thing is, is that when, when you're flying and when you're going rail, that can go out the window. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter because you'll know yourself from your time that 
it doesn't matter what you do on some days, you're just in the flow. It's working, it's just yeah, yeah. Happening. yeah. You know, you can get your left winger ended up on the right wing, delivering balls, scoring goals, and you know, it, it, and you don't get hurt by him being out of position defensively. Yeah. Some days happen like that. You take them and enjoy those days. But it's the days when the shit hits the fan and it's not a, gets so good that you revert the type. Okay, yeah. it's not a good day today. Let's let's do what we know does work. Yeah. Let's try and execute how we want to play. Yeah. And I think if you can not be regimented, but give people that information really cleanly, crisply, and yeah. with as very few words as possible, so it's concise, yeah. then you're halfway there. And you yeah, don't yeah. have to labour it. And you yeah. don't have to, but I definitely agree, there's got to be a plan. Yeah, yeah. That's it, because I mean, I think that the days are gone where... Cluffy, for example, might say, "Well, listen, I, I don't need—I don't need to worry about what, what we're doing today because I've got the eleven best players out there." The game's so competitive now at every level. Every every opponent knows what you've done in your last six games. Every opponent knows the inside leg measurement of all sixteen of the players that could get involved today, or what eighteen, or whatever it is. So, it, for me, it feels like everything's kind of condensed in terms of how competitive football is at all levels, you know, across the world. So then them details now become so critical you can't just leave it to chance yeah. and I think that at the top guys now they drive it on personality yeah you know, Klopp, Klopp's a personality I mean if he if he said you know there's a wall jump over it I'm sure their players would say well Gaffer, how, how far do you want me to jump and how high do you want me to jump yeah, yeah. Given them, do it. but also I look at them and, and, and they're not I don't believe I don't th believe that they're like uh, formation driven I think they're driven by uh, principles and strategy in that, what I mean, if, if you play two up top, they'll work it to get the overload. So they'll yeah. rotate to a three, no, whether it's someone drops in the middle of the two centre-backs, whether yeah. it's a number six that comes off the side, whether a full-back stays and the other full-back inverts. Yeah. I think they've, got, they've just got strategies and principles to say, we want the ball on this side to suck people in and then we're going to flip it over the other side and we're yeah. going to get overload there. Yeah. And I think that's the way the top guys go. That they, I think they educate their players to provide solutions yeah. as the game happens. And I think yeah. that's the way the game's evolving for me. Yeah. Even in your training sessions, it used to be, I know years ago, like I'd be, oh, top, stop. Like, I want you to do it. Nah. You condition your training now to create the situations for players to solve problems. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's the kind of way it's evolved, where if you can do that, People, you're not stopping the session. You might have a drink and get some on the tactics board, talk through a little situation, yeah. and then go back in again. But what's happening is the players are on the ball. They're enjoying the session. They're actually working out solutions to problems. I, and also I find as well, a lot of times before is we'd give people a problem, but we wouldn't provide a solution. Yeah. Hey, yeah. We've, got to, we've got to break down their back three. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, come on, we've got to play out from the back. Yeah. yeah, We've given everyone a problem, but we haven't given them a solution. Yeah, And that's what I find now is that as I've evolved, because I've been fortunate to work with some really, really good people, you start to think about the game differently. Not, not the game differently, but how, how can you help people yeah. grow, get better and understand? And that's, that's kind of something that's kind of, that's been the next level of my journey, if you, if you could understand that. Yeah, I, um, I, I honestly, you've just summarised 
some of the changes in the game in the last 20, 30 years so well, so so articulately. That was a brilliant, that was a brilliant kind of overview. One one thing that I, I was on an, oh, fantastic at the moment. It was an awful time for the world with the, this global pandemic, um, coronavirus, and what have you. But there's lots and lots of more more discussions around the coaching agendas all over the world that are online at the moment. I've been involved in a few webinars and stuff like that. And, was one I was on a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about problem solving and how you do that in the context of a game or particularly the half-time situation. Can you actually solve a problem with a player in that 15 minutes? And I, I, I you know, my view on it, and I, I, you know, I'm more interested, I'm sure that our viewers are more interested in your view, but I'll give mine first, is that 99% of the problems you can't solve there and then. You, you, you need to go away and look at yourself as a coach and work out what scenarios you're creating in, on the training ground to ensure that that player understands what they need to do in that situation, back to your point before. Because you can give them a bollocking, you can throw teacups at them, you can get the tactics board out, but reality is that it's noise in a high pressure situation that isn't the right environment to learn and to change and to adapt. The right, you know, of course you need players who can adapt on the pitch, but your job as a coach is to find the, find the way of setting your environment up so that the next game, that pro that problem isn't there anymore. And it's your responsibility as much as it is the players. Yeah, I, I found like if you could if you could if you could find something at half time that works. So yeah. at the end of the game, it's worked. You find that people because then they walk away and they go, "Wow, that worked." That. So I always used to look what's what's hurting us. Yeah. And what's helping us? So I'd only look for maybe one or two things in each little category, and 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 say, like, what's hurting us? What's helping us? And then what are we not doing that could benefit us? So those maybe those three little areas. Yeah. So, so, ta so tactic tactically, you're addressing it as as is your responsibility, you and your, your coaching staff. But the players themselves, in terms of a actions or execution and stuff yeah. it ain't going to change there and then is it it's, it's like you say it's them type of situations the best the best thing i've ever seen is i was fortunate enough to like again you need resources and you need experts yeah but i'd gone to the asian cup with uh, australia as an assistant with uh, graham arnold and uh, rennie muhlenstein yeah and they've got a guy dougie cause who's an analyst and right we, we obviously they'd analyzed how certain teams had played and then they would like uh uh, so this is what we want to do. We want it. We need to get into those little positions. We. This is how we're going to hurt them. Always come up with a plan. It was always about us, not us, but about the team to do better, not about the other team, but about. And it would be brilliant. And then coming at half time, he'd have three or three or four clips that he'd picked and said, "Look, if we can get there, if we can yep. get here, if we can do only three, only three or four, and then yep. it'd be so there'd be like three or four little clips would be a twenty seconder, bang, bang, bang." That's that's what we can. That's what we. That's not what we're doing. We asked us to do that, but we just need to go move five yards there if we can. Play be play off his shoulder, play behind him, or drop five yards here. So basically, they've got an instruction and an idea, and then they'll go. This is what we've asked you to do, and it's going fucking brilliant. Do, 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 yeah. do. And then the the bull them up, and then they're saying this is really outstanding. This is so you've gone from a little bit of criticism that makes us better this is not this is what we're not doing yeah this is what we could do this is what we are doing so by the time you've left you had 
20 second, 20 second, 20 second, 20 second, 20 second, 20 second, 20 second. You're feeling good about yourself. Yeah, so yeah. You, you've kind of been a little bit of a slap. Yeah. Built, built you up, built you up. And just before you go out, hey, remember, you're doing that brilliant. What about that? Brilliant. Yeah, and you yeah. go away. And honestly, it, it, for me, wow. And the amount of times that the quality came because they recognised, yeah, I just need to go and play off your shoulder. It might yeah. be just the other side of their defensive sixes. Yeah. You know, we're, we're picking the ball up this side of the sixes when really we're all outside the block. We're not hurting them. Let the centre yeah. back do that. Play that side of them. You know, and Brilliant. So if you can pick those little things up and the work, say it works and you get a buzz from that. But they remember that. So the next time you talk, they're engaged. Yeah. Or yeah. they even go, hey, uh, have you seen anything? They're asking because they know that you've seen previously. Yeah. yeah provide yeah. a solution. They're yeah. going, oh, what, what do you think? Should yeah, they're hungry, they're hungry for that information then, aren't they? Same thing. You've yeah. seen footballer. Makes no difference. Same, yeah. Just the same. Aaron yeah. Moy played in the Premier League. Exactly the same. You know, no difference. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's great. great. I mean, it's, a, it's a great, great example. And, and obviously the teamwork required for the technical staff to put all that together and to make it yeah. seem like, you know, this is just uh, just a process yeah. that's well developed. It just takes a lot of hard work to, to, to dovetail yeah. properly. And good and good people, people who yeah. really know. Like the lad who's the analyst, Dougie Cause, I think he's on Twitter. Uh, should have a look. He's better than yeah. some of the coaches I've worked with. He's unbelievable, yeah. man. He's top Brilliant. shot. Man. Top shot. Brilliant. Mate, great story. Great. Some fantastic, fantastic anecdotes you've got. So let's let's move on to players a little bit and, and the, the evolution of the player. I'm going to read you something now. And it's going to make you laugh. All right. Now, the guy who wrote this might not be. Um, an authority on football it might not be qualified necessarily um, to the highest level but what he said about you as a player when you're at Barnet is brilliant so he, he said with ball tricks pinpoint 40 yard passes that any ordinary player could only dream about plus the ability to completely bamboozle a marker with super fast body turn and flick of the ball reminiscent of Johan Cruyff at his peak that's that's his that's his his uh, summary. Was that, that me, old man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You must have paid a few quid for that. I don't know, but no, it, it, I think I never, re I never I really saw you. That. Yeah, I, I never really saw you play, pal. Um, I think I might have seen you trap a ball on the sideline a couple of times. Maybe that might be the extent. But yeah. it sounds like, and it, it was really interesting. You chose Glenn Hoddle as a as a, as a you know your favourite player because it sounds like you were. A player with real flair and individuality in the, in the midfield. You mixed it up. Who would, you know, sometimes, you know, drive at a ball. Sometimes pick, pick, you know, big worldy, big Hollywood bump diag out, out, out your backside. Um, but re real quality, real individual flair. I don't see midfielders like that these days. My take on that is that part of that is about the tactical evolution of the game and the fact there's less space to play in, the physicality, some of the advances in that aspect. But I. I, as a coach, I want to see individuals with personality on there, whether they're a centre-half who wants to go win it, whether they're a full-back who wants to get crosses in and dominate that area of the pitch, whether it's a centre-forward who, you know, who, who really values you know, the qualities that good centre-forward should have. I don't see that individuality anymore. And it sounds like you had that as a player. And I want to understand what your view is on that, how you feel about me saying that, 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 that about you as a player and, and how you think that you as a coach kind of address this situation? I've probably got every manager sacked for being like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, I, 
you know what? I was so, so fortunate um, to play for the people I played for. And I think, and I think I stayed there because of those people. Like when I was younger, um, I was a kid at Hartlepool and I played for a guy called Kenny Southern and top guy, not here now, but yeah, just loved footballers, just yeah. encouraged you. Um, there's another guy, a coach, when I got in the senior team, uh, Mick, Mick Doherty, uh, Tommy Doc's son. Yeah. He, he gave me a pro contract and really encouraged me with another guy called George Smith. And then I left, I left that and went into non-league. Um, but I played, the people I played for in non-league just embraced me. Uh, Ray Halliday at Billing Town, then yeah. Ray Wilkie at, 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 uh, at Gateshead and Barrow, and then Barry Fry. Uh, and, and those people I played from probably 16 all the way through till I was Dave Hodgson at Darlow. Yeah, 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 next Liverpool player. Yeah, Oji yeah, was top shelf. Yeah. So those are the guys I played for, and, and all, uh, all characters, all crazy, you know. Um, and, and it kind of, they were my type of people. But, you know, you look back, you think maybe you could have done a little bit more. If you weren't so pig-headed and stubborn, which I was, yeah. um, uh, which in a way wasn't a team player, um, probably a bit selfish, or very selfish as a, as a player. I remember being at Barrow, we won 4-0, I'm coming, I'm throwing my boots against the wall. Yeah. Ray Wilkins going, oh, poor Kenny, he hasn't got a meg in today or a 40-yard ping, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and I well, guess that probably because I had that, that mentality, that's the yeah, way that's quite strong mentally, you know. Yeah. I won't bother. But that, that's, I mean, that, again, you know, I, I try not to be, it was like this in our day. I try because the world changes and if you don't change with it, then you're going to get left behind. Yeah. But I, I, I bemoan the lack of players who go in the dressing room and are disappointed. You know, when they win, when they lose, when they draw, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But I, I bemoan the, the fact that they can put things behind them so quickly and I don't expect them to take it into their personal life afterwards, but no. I want to see standards. I want to see desire to be the best they can be. And when I don't see that, I find it hard. And, and for you to do that when you're winning 4-0, for me as a coach, I'd be looking at it and saying, he wants to be better. And I'll have a bit of that because you're, set, you're setting the bar for the players. And I don't expect every player to act like Kenny Lowe. There might be a, I don't, Gary Bull or someone like that who's with you who... Who, who, who doesn't really take that example, but you've got to set that example for all the people in the dressing room and the environment you're in. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes as well, you'd, you'd, take, you'd take too much risk because of the way you were, or you'd yeah. try certain things too often. But I would always, it wouldn't bother me. I'd go back, get it again, get it again. Someone once said to me, I always remember, they're saying the brave people are the ones who go and get the ball and shank it in the trees, go back, and shank it into the trees again, and go back yeah. and shank it into the trees again. Who don't give a toss? Yeah. They just want the ball. They must and take in any area at any time at any moment under pressure. Don't matter. Yeah. And like I was one of them. I used to moan like hell at people, you know, to get the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. And I know at one stage I actually got sent home once from a club because the players <laughs> used to complain because I, I moaned too much at them. Yeah. Uh, and the champs look, the lads don't want to play with you. So they sat me at home on garden and leave. And then I got the gaffer's job. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all changed the tune. That was <laughs> yeah, that's a shifting power, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, so, okay, so 
you 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 recognise that from your own experience. How do you nurture that that individuality in players these days? Take away fear. Okay. Take away fear. You like our like the biggest thing with me is like I will get more upset if you not if you do not try the things that we've spoke about yeah. than that if you try them and make mistakes. Yeah. I want like I've got a little saying with my kids like you need to get comfortable at being uncomfortable. Yeah. And then once you're comfortable, go and look for some other challenges that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Bit by bit, you don't have enough that break you. And you don't have too little that it's like cigar time. Yeah. You've got to find a level that fits you and then be uncomfortable, whether it be public speaking, whether it's degree. In football, it's whether you're playing against someone who's quicker, faster, stronger than you, or you're you're playing against a team or in a team that's better than you. You know what I mean? Or you're playing yeah. in a team and you want that person's shirt, but he's better than you. Or you're playing against someone in your team and he's better. You know, how do you how do you manage that to, to, to grow and, and get the other side? Yeah. For me, you take away fear. If there's no fear and you're cared for, you can have a relationship, you can have dialogue. And then yeah. as a player coming to me as a gaffer, I'll be devastated if he feels that he can't come to me as a gaffer, yeah, to be yeah. honest and open uh, because ultimately like I just care I just want I'm not it's not for me it's for you I want you to be absolutely the best you can be and yeah. have the most amount of fun along the way you know yeah I'm with you I'm with you yeah so so in, in the UK and the English academies I think they're producing a lot of tens instead of centre forwards a lot of central defensive midfielders or, or, or tight midfielders as I call them who um, don't necessarily, they're the good working in little triangles, they're good working in rondo type situations because they're so used to being coached that way. But then when they're given a lot of space, they don't really know what to do with it so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how do you, do, does that resonate with you over in Oz? Are you seeing players like that as well? Yeah, I, th- I think the way now, it, it, everyone goes pass, 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 pass. Yeah. Who are the best players in the world? Who's the, who's, who's the most expensive younger, youngest player in the world now? He's at Dortmund, the kid we spoke about. Yeah. What is he? He's a dribbler. Yeah. What's Messi? He's a dribbler. What's yeah. Ronaldo? He's turned. He's a dribbler. Yeah. Who, what's what's uh, uh, I don't know. Like the Liverpool boys. What are they? The dribblers, yeah. mate. What? What? X factor footballers. Yeah. And we've stopped creating X factor footballers because we've gone pass, 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 pass. Yeah. You know, just create dribblers. Yeah. So you seeing that in Australia? Yeah. I think I, I think you you see it. The best, the best players in this league here, foreign. We've got a guy Diego Castro. I actually signed at Glory. Yeah. Um, he's he played at Getafe in La Liga. Yeah. Uh, best player here. Uh, unbelievable footballer. He's 37 now, but I signed him. Well, he's 31, 32, five years. No, more, more than five, five years ago. He's 31. Unbelievable. Top of his, top of his game. Wanted to come. I got a video, actually. I got a clip. He scored a goal against uh, Real Madrid with his left foot in the top corner. And he scored a goal with his right foot against Barcelona in, the, in another game in the top corner. And I said to the person who sent me it, I said, are you having a laugh, mate? How are we going to get him? We aren't getting this guy. You <laughs> but has he had a leg chopped off? You know what I mean? The only way we're going to get him is he's had a leg off. Yeah. So, no, no, he, wants a, he wants to come in a change of uh, environment for his kids. Yeah. Oh, wow. So this guy, we sign him. He, mate, he is a oh, dribbler, unbelievable, top yeah. person, humble, 
everything everything that you that, that a player should be he is he's and the other guys are like called uh, Ninkovic at uh, at Sydney and uh, he's I think he's Croatian been to three or four World Cups yeah with, with Croatia I think it's Serbia or Croatia one of the two Baltic but top top oh, player just like Castro yeah. dribbler sees things plays things scores like sliders you know oh, yeah. just top shelf and they're yeah. the best footballers. So, so, and, and given what you said before, there's no second tier in Australia. There's a lot of pressure on the first teams. For me, the fear, it sounds like the environment there for progression is, is a blocker, is a blocker for the development of Australian talent. Big style for the younger players. You, the best young ones go abroad, yeah. but play youth football. Right. Abroad, you'll go on, you, may, you might go to England, you know, I love just, and, and play at 23s or whatever. Um, you've got five foreigners in each team. So straight away in each team, only five Aussies can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best Aussies play abroad. Yeah. So you've got the likes of uh, Matty Ryan at Brighton. You've got yeah. Aaron Moy, I think, there, Brighton. You've got uh, Rogic at, uh, at Celtic, I think, with yeah. uh, Azani at Celtic. Um I think Boyley's at Hibernian. Right. Um, uh, you've got a few boys in uh, in in France and Spain, um, uh, maybe Croatia, yeah. uh, Saudi Arabia, Korea, Japan. So the yeah. top lads are away. Yeah. So then you get the foreigners come in. You get the second level lads and the younger lads play in the A League, and the yeah. older ones who were kind of retiring. Yeah. But the yeah. younger play, the younger players, the twenty threes. You look at the national under twenty three team, uh, who are going to the Olympics and yeah. have done really well. But their their game time, I think some lads have had something like one hundred and seventy minutes game time all season. Yeah. You play against Korea, who are the top, and and like their their players are getting four hundred, five hundred minutes. Yeah. You know the the whole squad's got three thousand minutes. Yeah. Australia's got under a thousand. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so difficult for them guys to break through. Yeah, so that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's more about because you can have generations where you get spikes and a bit of talent or whatever or something that you can't necessarily control. But for sustainability and for long term depth of talent that's going to build Australia's capability as a footballing nation, it sounds like there's still still some challenges, I guess, for, for, the, for the establishment. Yeah, and the, the golden age, to go back to the Vidukas and the, and the Lazaridis, the Craig Moore, who was at. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Scotland and then in, in, in Germany you've got John Aloisi who's in Italy and France you've got yeah. Bresciano who's in Italy yeah. you've got uh, Ufek Tale that was in Turkey all these guys but these guys came through when it was a national league uh, not, a, not a full national league but just on the east coast Yeah, and there was like 23 teams Yeah, uh, and like there was no foreigners so you've got like Viduka at, I don't know 20 he was the top scorer in that league for three years and, and got game time from 17 onwards, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so all these guys played in that league and then moved at 17, 18, 19 with maybe maybe 100 league games yeah. against men. Surely there's a lesson in there. That's the difference, you know? Yeah. That's but, you know, it's, 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 surely that's, you know, for the, for the Australian footballing authorities, that's got to be, you know, that's got to be and a fair that, lesson. Yeah, and that's the big question now. The big question is, how do we create an environment for our younger players to have more opportunity and still grow the league? Yeah. 
you know, yeah. that's the big thing. It's a two-pronged thing. You know, it's like cut the foreigners out. Yeah. You don't get Castro and Ninkovic and Mijewski yeah. coming. Yeah, you, absolutely you need examples. You, you need examples for young kids to put, stick to the post walls in the bedrooms. Yeah, and try and try and, try and be like trying well, to. going to Manu. You know, he changed the whole scenario there because of his mentality and the way he trained. Yeah, like other guys have been exposed to Castro. Like, yeah. well, that, that's an experienced fowler. Yeah. You know, yeah. like um, the guy from France we were speaking about earlier. You know, it's you need that. You need yeah. that. So they need to grow both facets. So that's the that's the challenge. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's just come on to coach education. We're, we're nearly an hour in. It's flown. It's gone like that five minutes. Let's talk about coach education a little bit. What's um? I mean, I I, I we've discussed it a little bit briefly this week, but the UK and, and the English FA is, is a bit of a beacon, you know, of, of kind of coaching development for, for globally now I think uh, you know it's, it's like like anything in life if you're in it you get you've got moans about getting on courses and moans about bureaucracy and politics and administration and so on and so forth but the reality is I think it's seen as a real beacon and bastion of coach education what well, are we looking in Australia in terms of pathways for coaches yeah I think it's improved when I first came there was really nothing um right. Uh, when I first came out, and I guess that's probably why with having a UA for a license that I kind of got a little foothold into certain things. So yeah. again, good timing for me, quite fortunate. But it's grown over the years. I think they've identified that as the as the A League has come in over the last 12, 13 years. Yeah. So the development is then your coaches must have a pro license. Yeah. You know, people didn't have C or B licenses, or they would go abroad to do their qualifications. Yeah. So because the A League said you must have a a pro license to coach in the top level, then all of a sudden they, 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 they kind of went, okay, what do we need to do? Yeah. And they went and got some really good people in. You know, I think the people do get maligned as well in any walk of life. I think it's it's normal to be critical. Yeah. But they've got some excellent people in. Rob Baum came from Holland early, then Hamburger. Uh, Kelly Cross, who's who's here, was head of uh, uh, like the coaching side of things. was, uh, uh, And he's... He's now at Sydney FC running their whole academy and everything. He was absolutely top shelf. Rob Sherman, who came from the Welsh FA, he was the, he was okay. the TD at the Welsh. Rob's like, I mean, top, top shelf. All these guys are absolutely excellent and they've put something in place and, and it's starting to grow and it's starting to get run with and it's starting to evolve and it's, it's uh, I think it's it's in a good place here. Yeah. It is in a good place. And the, and the ideas... It must be a nice environment to coach in generally. You know, com yeah. compared, compared to pissing down, pissing down rain in the, you know, up in Gateshead on a Tuesday night. It's, it's not uh, good for me. It's no good for me with this <laughs> of all the I get burnt to bits. But yeah, I know what you mean. The pitches are mint. Yeah. The, 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 the Australian kids are athletic. You know what I mean? And you, you've got a mix with the with the with the uh, immigration side of things: Portuguese, Italian, English. Yeah. You get a nice mix of people. You know, you know, you see some of the boys coming through and. Uh, the, 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 there's a like a nice mix and a different, uh, how can I say, a different style. Yeah. You know, you're not all strong, raggy English lads from Newcastle or the Scousers or whatever. You, you've got Italians mixed in with the Spanish and the Hawaiians. Yeah, so you've got a, quite an eclectic mix, which is which is really good. And you get that coach influence as well, because you've yeah. got all a mixture of different nationalities. So it's really good when you do get together, you can pick things off people and, and listen. It's I've, you know, I've really, I've been fortunate and lucky, but I've really enjoyed my time, really, really, and hopefully there's a bit left. Yes, yeah. Well, so just just before I go on to onto the future for you, 
Um, what, what, where do you stand on um, on playing experience and the contribution that makes to a coach's capability or a manager's capability? Um, I think it's proven. Just because you've been a player doesn't mean you're a coach. Yeah. And just because you haven't been a player doesn't mean you're going to be a coach. So, yeah. I like I find there's a big thing that maybe not so much now, but a while ago, you know, it's like oh, if you're English, that's it. You know what I mean? Uh, they had a bad rep, and yeah. for whatever reason, like, but if you if you maybe talk with a little bit of an accent and you couldn't get your English, oh, you must be a good coach. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like crazy. But like, ultimately, dig down, find out about the guy. What's he like? Brilliant. Find out, yeah, first thing, find about him as a person. Try and understand his morals and his values and what he stands for as a person. Yeah. And then, then, then drill down into his philosophy. Like, what's he about football-wise, you know? Yeah. And you find just about everybody, nigh on, I would say, 90%, everyone cares because they love the game. They're all about the players, generally. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you want to smack it in the corner or play out from the keeper. No matter what you've got, is that right or is that wrong? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's for me the big thing is find about the bloke, drill down into him and then drill down into his football and then, then take it or leave it. Yeah. Or yeah. have some you know, constructive discussions. I remember being the assistant and I used to have massive battles with the gaffer. Absolutely, yeah. used to argue like hell over the centre forward. Branko Jellic played in the Bundesliga, top player, scored loads of goals. But the gaffer was one, Dave Mitchell played for Rangers, Chelsea. Yeah, he used to run around. He yeah. used to run around. Branks just stood still. But yeah. he scored goals. I said, we want goals, play Branks. Nah. And we used to fight like cat and dog. Yeah. And like, he was the gaffer, I was the assistant. And when we come out the room, I'm like 150% behind him. Yeah, yeah. Stop arguing like hell, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's good friction, isn't it? You need to have yeah. like a good team. Good right? challenge. Yeah. Yeah, good challenge. Yeah. yeah. Nice one, yeah. Okay, so so the future for you then, what what what, what, what do you fancy taking on um, that you're not, I mean, I know, I know you're involved now, I know you're working now, um, responsible as a, a kind of, I think like a technical director for a club in, in Western Australia, but, yeah. but what, what what's your plans? Yeah, just to, to to work as possibly as I can at the best level available to me and then to affect people. Yeah. That's it. End of story. You know, just just to have some fun and make sure that like everyone who's involved is enjoying themselves. We had a little saying like in the institute and it's the lads, some of the lads still use it now. Turn up with a smile and leave with a sweaty shirt. And like anything in between, it'll fucking take care of itself because we, we take care of you. Yeah. That's a big thing. So if you come with a smile, it means you're looking forward to it. And if you leave with a sweaty shirt, you've worked your bollocks off. Yeah, exactly. You've committed. Yeah. Half, halfway there. Yeah. Halfway there. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, okay. So, so final couple of questions. You talked about philosophy. You talked about knowing the person. You talked about, you know, try, trying, to, trying to build a profile and work out whether or not someone's got, got what you want as a coach. If I give you all the resources in the world, the ability to go and get whatever players, whatever technical staff, whatever facilities, whatever medical support, whatever everything, then once you've got all that in place, what does your team look like? What sort of football does it play? What sort of characteristics? What would people say about a Kenny Lowe team if you went into Chelsea with Abramovich's money, for example? I think, I think at that level, it's different. Yeah. I think because it doesn't matter because me, where I am, I would always go character attitude. Yeah. Only two things. Character attitude. That's really? it. Yeah. 
That's, that's it. You, you, you'll actually, if you've got that, and the other people don't show that and have got talent, you'll beat them. But if you can combine all three, and the, the talent being the third thing added in, not the first thing, it means that you've got you've got a team who will actually you've got players. For me, the big thing for me were my not my players, but the players that I like to work with. Yeah. They actually help to make people alongside them even uh, better. Yeah. I've got a yeah. kid, Andy Keogh, uh, played at Wolves in the Premier yeah. League, uh, played for Trapatoni. Yeah, Irish international, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 40 yeah. odd time. Like, centre forward, I signed him with Castro. Like, them two, you know what? Character and attitude, absolutely fucking 12 out of 10. Talent, 10 out of 10. It's the perfect mix. Yeah. You know, Castro go walk about on the left wing, ended up on the right wing, shouldn't be there. We're going to get hurt. But Keogh's centre forward. He ends up a left back, Keogh. Yeah. He covers for Castro. He runs. And that's, if you get that, people, no ego, loads of empathy, care about each other, character, attitude, and talent, you've got, you're, you're halfway there. Yeah, class, class. So, Kenny, I, I'm going to bring it to a close now. Um, I've absolutely loved the conversation. You, you and I could talk for hours, days, whatever, whether it's about uh, the difference between Mark Hume and Sam Kitchen, or whether it's the difference between Robbie Fowler and John Aloisi. It, you know, we, there's so much. And, and what I love about you, I've said this to you already this week, but I, I, I want to reiterate this. I see you as a, as a beacon um, for, for me um, because you have worked between the, the, the non-league level, you've even, you know, you've coached even with, with grassroots, with young kids who are coming through, who've gone on to, to the very highest heights in, in world football, but you've, you've done everything in between. You seem to be still very well connected to, to both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. Um, and I think you prove that, you know, I'm not going to call you a normal guy because you, you in my opinion, you were an elite football man anyway, but um, you, you, you would prove inspiration for people like myself and many, many coaches out there who would look to try at some stage to progress between, you know, the, the, the kind of part-time game and the full-time game. And, you, and you've put, worked with some of the world's greatest players. And I think that in itself is just, is a phenomenal journey. And, and I'm sure it's a journey you're proud of, but for me, and, and, and I hope that this interview kind of informs maybe this generation of, of British coaches that might not know so much about you, might not, might not have studied you 20 years ago like I did. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think, like I said, it serves, for, it serves me with inspiration. I think it'll serve other people with inspiration. The second thing I want to say is, you, I think you've highlighted that you can have all the technical knowledge in the world, which you've accumulated over the years, and work with Merlinstein and work with, you know, top, top people in the game. But the reality is it comes down to your connection with people and human traits. Yeah. As, as to what you, you at this stage in your career, with all the knowledge and experience you've got, what you value. And I think that's important because there's a lot of coaches out there as they're, as they're working through their badges, as they're working through their, their life in football, maybe forget that and don't realise that till it's a bit too late. Not too late, but later than, than, than would have otherwise benefited them earlier. I, I would agree. And it's probably the biggest thing, that connection. If you can get a connection with someone, and I, you know what? I got that. I learned that through the people I played for. Yeah. And I remember Barry Fry. And I st it still stays with me to this day, and I use it to this day. Is that I remember 
I was working and I didn't want to leave Barrow and he wanted to sign me for Barrow. I'm working in London actually for an oil and gas company and then playing and, and playing for Barrow on the weekend. Yeah. I met him at Heathrow Airport. So hang on, hang on, hang on. So you were you were working down south and playing up north. Ah, oh, class. I used to I used to get the train from Middlesbrough to London on on a Monday, come back on a Friday, and then Saturday drive over to play for Barrow, then drive back, and then Monday morning go back to London. Oh, and, and, and yet on the other way, there was three of you at Barnet who used to travel from the northeast down to play football in London. You don't do things easy, do you? Yeah, me, Shells and Mark Carter. Paul Shell, yeah. Mark Carter, three of us. But I met yeah. Baz at Heathrow Airport on the Friday afternoon. I'm, I'm actually flying back to Teesside and the deal's been done. And uh, and it's sort of like there, we sit, we're talking and he's trying to talk me into going because I didn't want to go. And um, he said, ah, oh, he said something along the lines that loads of people have told me not to sign you. <laughs> so, <laughs> why, why are you signing me then? I said, well, what did they say? He said, you don't run, you don't tackle, you don't head. I said, well, why are you sat here? He said, oh, you can play. He said, uh, I've got loads of people who can run, tackle and head. He said, I need someone who can play. And I just started laughing. And he said, and I said, oh, well, so I don't need to run, don't need to tackle, don't need to head. He went, no, no, I just come and play. I went, oh, it sounds all right. So I, that's I ended up signing on the conversation. But I always remember this. And he said to me, he said, I never ask players to do something if I sign them that they can't do. So you'd sign someone, wouldn't you? And you know that he's a, a player and he doesn't tackle, he gets on the ball. But yeah. what's your first thing you do? Hey, run around. Well, yeah. you, you sign me, I don't run around. Yeah. You know what he did to me? This is true, this. And uh, so I played a few games, start, started really well, playing for Barnett with top of the conference, kicking on. And... Um, He's come one day, he's gone there, he said, Lozy, he said, I've, I've noticed on goal kicks that you walk, you, you find out how far the keeper can kick it and then you walk under the distance so it goes over your head and the centre-half's got <laughs> I went, yeah. He said, look, Alzi, Dave Owl's captain, said, he's got a bad neck. He said, so I don't really want him competing. He said, do me a favour. He said, just come back, put your hand, but you must put your hand on the chest of the centre-forward. So he didn't say come back and mark him in front. He actually said, put your hand on his chest. But basically, I could mark him in front, five yards in front. So, yeah, yeah. And he said, then, all you do then, when the ball comes, close your eyes, pull your neck in, just jump. I don't care if you win it or you're not. So, Tortoise, so yeah. Let's see how tortoise up. So basically, I'm, I'm being a pest. So he's got me heading. Then he gives it the old, uh, I played alongside a lad called Duncan Horton, who's the captain. Duncan used to run everywhere. Baz used to say, get the ball, give it to Losey. <laughs> Disgraceful, really. Yeah, yeah. Dunk, just work everywhere. Bang. Thanks, Dunk. And he'd come in this day, he'd go, Lozzy, Dunk's got a bit of an ammy. He said, look, I know you don't like to run around. I know you don't like to tackle. He said, but just do me, close your eyes, put your arms up, get your toe in. Can you help him out? He's got an ammy. Bit, if yeah. you don't, it's going to pop. If we lose Duncan, you're going to be doing it all by yourself anyway. Oh, OK, I'll help up. So within... A season and a half, I got picked in the PFA team two years in a row. Well, we got promoted, went to the league. Yeah. I think I played for England semi-pro because of him. Yeah. A 29-year-old, he turned me into a footballer by not demanding, but by understanding and being really cute. Brilliant. Understanding the type of lad I was. I was like an easy as but I was all for me mates and that. And he said, OK, the way to Kenny is, Kenny, go and help your mates. Yeah. yeah. Run around. Win a and header. He's and he's found, 
Yeah, he's found a way to motivate you. He's found a way to get a tune out of you that no other manager up to that point had done. Top shelf. And I still remember that to this day. Really? Never ask you to ever do what I don't think you can do. But did, yeah. he never ever said that he wouldn't try and get it out of me somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Class. The guy was top shelf. Yeah. Top shelf. I wish well, I met him when I was 18. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Having, having, having that knowledge and that that guidance earlier would have been brilliant. But you still had a pretty good career. I mean, listen, we've talked for an hour and 15 minutes now. You've not mentioned once that you went and played at places like Anfield and what have you. And, you know, we talked about your non-league. Well, well, regardless, pal, listen, there's not many people who can say that. And, and you've you've mixed it. You know, when you went to Birmingham, you've, you've played with some top players and against some top teams. And so, like I said before, you have been everywhere between my level of football and, and you know, the world's very best players. And I think that's... That's, that's something to be proud of for you and, and something that I, I look to and, and like I say, I, I think a lot of people would look to you as, as someone who has had an incredible journey. So. Yeah, very much so. Now, I appreciate you taking the time and to, to, to reaching out as well. So I've I've really enjoyed today. Uh, Mate, it's, nice it's been an absolute class. I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you for your time. Um, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. You, you know, we, we said we could just sit there and talk football anyway. Um, but why not share it with the world? Why not share it with people who I think are gonna gonna maybe learn a little bit, if if nothing else, they might just just kick back and enjoy listening to you yabber on about football for a bit, and, and me yabber on because um, I, I I know me personally that would suit me down to the ground. So thank you, Kenny. Um, wish you and your family all the best, and uh, you know what, whatever the future holds for you at the moment, we'll stay in touch. Maybe we'll do another one of these um, when you've uh, when you've added a little bit more to your uh, another chapter or two to your book. I'd love to, yeah. And also, if there's any guys out here, I'll drop them in and maybe you can grab a couple of them. There's a few guys with really interesting stories. I'd, lo I'd, lo I'd love to do that, Kenny. Thanks, pal. I appreciate you. Top man. All right. Great talk to you, pal. And you, bud. Cheers, Kenny. Bye, mate. Cheers, mate.